we are on week two of our series, American Idols. And uh, in this series, series we, we're, we're looking at four uh, specific idols that, that I think all of America, or, or at least myself, can relate to. And, um, and, and we found this in the story of Daniel chapter two. I'm going to read that real quick. Daniel, Daniel chapter two. It's a dream that the king of Neb- uh, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had, and um, and and in this dream, like he he has this crazy dream, and he's trying to figure out what this dream means. And so he he calls on Daniel, and here's what Daniel says. This is Daniel chapter two, verse thirty-one. He says, "Your Majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome." In appearance, the head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partially of iron and partially of baked clay. While you're, excuse me, while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. And so each, each uh, section of this, of this statue, of this idol, uh, we're breaking down every week. So last week we looked at the golden head. Uh, we, we said that that was the idol of possessions. Today we're going to look at the, the chest that was made out of silver, and, uh, and, and so here's the goal of the series. As Daniel said, that there was a stone that was carved from the mountain and this stone completely obliterated this statue. My heart for you and for myself throughout these next four weeks is that if there is an idol that you have, and it, I'm not talking about like a little statue that you're like, I, like I'm, just, I'm talking about if there's something that you prioritize that's higher than God, then, then my heart, my goal is that these, these, these idols that you have, that I have, that God will just smash so that we can fully uh, just live in the, in the manner that God has for us. Amen, somebody? And so uh, I have one more verse, and this is going to be our theme verse for, for this week. It's going to be out of Exodus chapter 32 in verse 1. And it says this, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain." They gathered around Aaron and they said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who has brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. This morning, I want to talk to you briefly from the subject, the idol of your desires. The idol of your desires. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for what you're already doing in this place. Lord, I I pray that the next moments that we have together, that you would do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, we recognize you as our guest of honor this morning. We say move in our hearts because we want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better, but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. So we love you. We bless you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone. Say it. Amen. Amen. Hey, I got a question for you. Have you ever... uh, have you ever looked forward to something happening that you just, you, you were so excited and then when it came, it just didn't hit the way that you thought it was going to hit? 
Like it just, it, it just, it wasn't what you were expecting. So this happens numerous amounts of times, but one time in, in particular was the first time that I took my three kids mini golfing. Now, in theory, this sounds like it's going to be a joyful time. In fact, I actually was like, man, this is going to be so phenomenal. I'm going to spend time with my kids. We, we, we get to enjoy the putting at Scandia. I'm like, we're, we're going to be like those, those families on postcards where they're, the dad's like, you know? <laughs> like the kids are like swinging. And I'm like, man, this is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm desiring. And so, so, uh, so, so, so we get to Scandia. And uh, my desire could not be any wrong, more wrong than what it was. See, because I was not expecting my then four-year-old to throw a tantrum, everybody. Every single time his ball did not go in the cup. I could not plan that my kids were going to use their putters as swords. <laughs> I could not plan the reaction in the screaming of my kids when they would accidentally hit their ball in the pond. Everybody, it was crazy. It was, and instead of me like, I was like, you know, like, I'm yelling, I'm so upset. I'm like, stop whining. And I'm just like, we left and I was drained. We left Scandi and I was like, I will never, ever, ever take your butt to Scandi again. Like it was crazy. And my desire of what I was expecting didn't happen the way that I was wanting it to. Now, here's why I ask you, or here, here's why I tell you this story is because I, my question for you this morning, have you ever had a desire that didn't unfold in the manner that you were wanting it to unfold? Have you ever had a desire that, that inside of you that you were just, you were looking forward to, but, but it, it didn't happen in the time frame that you allotted for it to happen? See, this morning we're talking about the idol of your desires. Now, uh, in the story that we read in, in Daniel chapter 2, the king, he has a vision of this statue. And, and as I mentioned earlier, the first was the head that was made of gold. But he says the second part of the statue was a chest made from silver. And I think that's very significant to, to this idea of desires. And, and, and here, here's why I think it's significant. is because during this time period, there were two methods of transactions, of payments that, that, that the, these people used. Gold or silver. Now, majority of the time, gold was, was something that was reserved. Like, you can look at gold as, as maybe your, your portfolio, the stocks, the bonds, your 401k. Like, you, you don't usually, like, pay for your cheeseburger with, with that stuff, right? That's what gold was. Gold was some, gold was more of like a flex. Like, check out my gold. And more than likely, uh, or excuse me, more times than not, when, when people would buy something, when they would purchase something, it, they would use silver. So silver is significant because it's, it's for transactional purposes, okay? 
No, so just remember that. And then uh, ne Nebuchadnezzar said the dream, the statue, it was made of silver, but it was a specific body part that was made from silver. It was the chest area. And here's why I think that's significant. I don't claim to be a medical expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know that your chest, it holds a very important organ of your body, your heart. <laughs> and and, and, and um, for centuries, your heart is a symbol for your emotions, your affection, and your desire. And so here's why I think the chest made of silver is, is, is significant in, in this area of desires. It's because what I have discovered is that your desires are fueled by, by actions. Let, let me say it a different way. Your, your desires, the desires that you have, are fueled by the transactions that it is given. So the more your desires are fueled with deposits, the brighter that desire burns. The less deposits, transactions that, that are put into your desires, the sooner that flame, that desire flames out. For instance, you had desires when you were a little kid to be an astronaut or to be a whatever. Let's go with astronaut, okay? And, and so you had a desire to be an astronaut. Well, guess what? You probably don't have that desire much more now, right? Like, unless you do, well, then we still love you and you're welcome here. And it's amazing. Uh, never give up on your dreams. Um, <laughs> you're like, but I'm 90. Uh, focus, John. Um, <laughs> but, but, but your desires are fueled by, by, by action by what's being deposited into it. So if you were little and you were like, I want to be an astronaut when I get older, well, the older that you get, the more you realize that, that, that like it's, it's a lot of work. It's not instant. And so the less action, the less deposits that I have of, uh, of me being an astronaut, well, guess what? Eventually, that desire dies. And so, again, I want to submit to you that your, your desires are fueled by the activity it receives. Now, this is exactly what we see take place in our text of Exodus chapter 32. Now, before we get to Exodus chapter 32, there's a lot of things that take place. And so, so I'm going to give you a little backdrop, and then we'll jump into Acts. Exodus chapter 32. But before we get to Exodus chapter 32, here's what's taking place. God, he sees Israel uh, enslaved in Egypt. And check this out. God, God tells his people, it is my desire to move you from Egypt to the promised land. That's God's desire for his people in the text. And so they're like, that sounds like a phenomenal, a phenomenal desire. God, I'm going to jump on board that desire. You know what I'm saying? Like whenever God gives like, puts a really good desire in your heart, you're like, yes, that's, that's the one that I want. And so God places, God says, hey, my desire is to move you from Egypt to the promised land. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. 
God, whatever you want, whatever you desire, let that be my desire. And so God leads them on this journey. But remember, your desires are fueled by the activity it receives. And so what we see from the time that God moves people from Egypt all the way up until we get to uh, Exodus chapter 32, God's putting little deposits in that desire. God, God, remember, God parts the Red Sea. People are like, ah, what is God doing? He's putting, depositing. He's depositing into the desires, into that desire to fuel the idea, God, I'm following you. And then the, the people, they're like, I'm so thirsty. And God tells Moses, like, hit this rock and water's going to come out of the rock. Moses is like, that's crazy. If I'm Moses, I'm accidentally tapping it. I'm like, oh, you know, like, I'm not saying, guys, watch this. You know, like, I'm practicing. <laughs> and so, so, so uh, they're thirsty. Moses hits the rock. Water comes out. What is God doing in that moment? He's depositing into their desire to follow him, right? Because your desires are fueled by the activity or not activity it receives. Then the people are like, God, we're hungry. And what does God do? He sends quail. He sends, uh, he sends a manna from heaven. And people are like, oh, this is amazing. What is God doing in the moment? He's depositing into them. Because your desires are fueled by the activity it receives. And so here they are from, from Egypt until uh, Exodus chapter 32. God is just constantly depositing into them fuel so that their desire to follow God does not wane. But then we get to Exodus chapter 32. And, 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 and their desire becomes tested. Because in Exodus chapter 32, what we just read, or excuse me, before Exodus chapter 2, God is like, hey, Moses, I, I want to speak to you. So Moses, he goes up to the mountaintop, and he's hanging out with God for quite some time. And we get to Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, uh, the people are like, we're not getting deposited into... Oh, my desire is to follow God. It's, it's fading. And it's interesting because in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1, they, they, they call Aaron and they say, hey, Aaron. Aaron was second in command. He said, hey, they said, hey, Aaron, um, my desire to follow God is leaking. <laughs> like, we don't know where he is. And uh, here's an idea. Aaron, can you build something to replace God? Can, Aaron, can you replace something? Because I have this burning desire. Listen, everybody was what everybody from the start was put, was, was, uh, there, there was something placed inside of you to worship something. Every single person who's sucking up oxygen, there was, there was something inside of you, like God placed inside of you a desire to worship. Now, he wants that to be filled with him, but how many of you know that sometimes we, we use it for other things? 
And so, so they're like, Aaron, like our, our desire is to worship something. But our leader who shows us how to do this, he's over there talking with God. We, we need to worship something. Aaron, can you build us an idol? Can you build us an idol? Now, I can't speak for you. But I can let you know that I can 110% can relate relate to them. I can, I understand what it feels like to say, God, whatever you desire, let that be my desire. And I understand what it feels like for God to place deposits after deposit after deposit to keep my desire to follow him hot and, and, and fire. I, I understand what that feels like. But if I'm completely honest with you, I also understand the frustration of when it's like, God, where are you? God, why are you not responding now? God, where did you go? And it's in these moments where all of a sudden it's, it's, not, it's not hitting the same way. It's, it's in those moments when all of a sudden I have to decide what I'm going to do. It's in those moments I'm going to have to decide. Because if I'm not careful, it is, this becomes a moment of frustration for me. It becomes a moment of frustration for me because it's, it's where I begin to elevate my desire over God's desire. And friends, that's when my desires become an idol. When that tension and that frustration hits where I'm like, God, you are taking too long. Woo. God, this is not what I thought it was going to be like. God, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to build my own idol. And what am I doing? I'm prioritizing my desires over God's desire for me. So this morning, here's my question. Have your desires become an idol? Have your desires become an idol? Have the things that you desire, have... Have you placed them before the things that God desires for you? Now, if you're sitting here and you're like, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely, John. Great news. You fit right in. And so what I want us to do for the last few moments is I want to give you two things to remind yourself. That, that, that when you feel like you place your desires of, ahead of God's, two things that I want you to remind yourself, and I think it will be beneficial because it's benefit. these are things that I've applied to my life. And then I'm going to give you a verse, and then we're going to worship, and then we're going to be done. So two things. The first thing uh, to remind myself, the first reminder when I feel like my desires are moving ahead of God's desires, here's the first thing I have to remind myself, that I'm not him. I'm not him. Now, uh, there's, there's a phrase in the sports world that they, 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 they begin to, to really regurgitate, and it's this phrase, I'm him. No, okay, that's okay. 
You, you don't have to know what I'm talking about. Trust me. It's this phrase, like, when, whenever an athlete on the team, whenever they dominate, whenever they're, like, they're doing phenomenal, they'll, they'll be like, I'm him, I'm him. Or people be like, yo, you're him. And it, it, and it signifies, like, the answer. It signifies, like, I am the answer. Like, I, I am the GOAT. I am the greatest. Like, it's all about me. Friends, can I say that works with sports, but it probably doesn't work too good with your relationship with Jesus? Like, you can be him with your sports. Go on and ball out. But when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, like, there is only one him who bore the weight of my sins. There is only one who, one him who, who died on the cross for me. There, there's only one him who is my provider. And it's not me, it's him. And I have to remember and realize that, 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 I, that it's not about me, it's about him. That I am not the answer, he is. I am not, I am not him. And when I choose to follow my own plans, I am non-verbally saying, Hold my jacket, God. I got this. Which is crazy. If you think about it, the creator of the universe, the author of your story, you're like, chill, man. I got this. Don't worry about it, God. You just, you just. That makes no sense. Makes no, Like, if you look at God, if, if you see God as like the author, right? Scripture says he's the author and finisher of our faith. If you view God as the author of your life, you're the story, you're the main character. Guess what? You may know what you want in that chapter, but he knows what he wants that ending to be. And so, so I have to begin to say, God, like, it's not about me. God, I know that I want these, my desires is for this to happen or this to happen in this time frame and in this time period. God, this is my desires. But at the end of the day, I refuse to pretend that I'm the author of this story. God, I want to remember that I am not you, that my role and my position in this story is to remain humble. Is, is to remain, remain saying, God, like, you are my leader. You are my boss. You are my, my desires. That, 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 that is my part. Like, I have to remember I'm not him. I have to remember I'm not him. Here, here's the second thing that I have to remember is, is this. Delay doesn't mean it's done. I have to remember that just because it's delayed doesn't mean it's done. See, remember, if your desires are fueled by the activity it receives, then I am naturally drawn to instant gratification. I'll say that again. If, uh, if my desires are fueled by, by the action that it receives, then I am naturally drawn to instant gratification, which means when my desires don't unfold in the manner that I want them to unfold, in the timing that I want them to unfold, then I have one of two options. I could either learn to wait 
or I can rush. And, and, and the reason why the delayed stage is so dangerous is because in the delayed stage, we rush. See, some of you guys are still paying for the things that you rushed. You're like, man, I was praying God, for, I was praying that God, you would give me this job. And, and I knew it wasn't this job, but I was like, I need a job. And so I took it, but now I hate my job. Why? We rush. God, I was dating this person and like, whoo, like they were cool. And, but I knew like I probably shouldn't date him. And, and but, but like I ended up dating him and oh my gosh, am I paying for it now? What do we do? We rush. We rush things. Like in the stage of delay, like I have to remember that it's, I, I, I don't rush things. I have to learn to wait. I have to learn to wait until God gives me that green, green light. I have to learn to wait until God says go. Because in case you didn't realize, God does his best works in the season of delay. His best work. They were out of wine, y'all. They, they, there was nothing. And God, and Jesus was like, all right, I'll take care of it. Jairus' daughter was dead. He's like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. The disciples were on the boat in the storm of the sea, and they're like, what the beep is happening? And Jesus is like, hold on, baby, I'll take care of it. God does his best work in the seasons of delay. So I have to rethink the delay that I'm going through. Because if I make the wrong choice, I'm rushing it. But if I can learn to just wait and say, God, I'm waiting for you to give me, I'm waiting for you to refuel my desires. God, I'm waiting for you to move. Then all of a sudden, I begin to see God's hand move in the way that he designed it and destined it to move, rather than me trying to manipulate his hand. And so, so I have to learn to just wait, to not rush, to not try to make things happen, but just learn to wait. And the band can come up, and I'm, I'm going to close with this. See, the ultimate goal for you and for me, for those who, who would identify as Jesus followers, the, the ultimate goal is this. Uh, it's in Psalms chapter 37 and verse 4. The psalmist writes, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, here's what I love about this, about this, um, this verse, is that what, 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 what most commentators believe, and I, I agree with them, is that what, what, what the psalmist is saying in this moment is that for, 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 for us, to learn to delight, to that word delight is to find joy, find happiness. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, how do we do that? By spending time with Him. So I know, I know it's not hard. It's like you're like, that's not, it's too easy. I feel like sometimes we hate the easy things because they're too easy. And then we have to be accountable to them, you know? So, so he's like, he's like, delight yourself in the Lord. Just hang out. 
Just, just be like, God, like I just, I'm so thankful for what you're doing. I'm just hanging out with you. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when I learn to delight in God, what he's doing is, is he's, he's changing my heart. When I learn to delight, when I delight myself in God, what he's doing is he's, he, he's uprooting things in my heart that are probably not the best. When, when, I'm, when I'm delighting myself in God, he, he's removing those desires that, uh, that probably should be removed. And so when I delight myself in God, he's doing something inside of me so that he will give me the desires of my heart. But here's the thing. Because I've delighted myself in him so much, all of a sudden, my desires, his desires are my desires. So because I'm delighting myself in him so much, because I'm just hanging out and I'm enjoying and I'm understanding how what he has for me is good and, and what, I, what he has for me is, is, is growth. When I understand his heart, all of a sudden he begins to change my heart. And so his desires become my desires. Friends, that's the goal. That's the ultimate goal of this whole thing. It's not that I can get whatever I want, not that he gives me all everything that, that I've ever dreamed or ever I've ever hoped for, but the goal is that I would learn to say, God, your desires, let them be my desires. God, your dreams for my life, let them be my dreams. Your goal for, for, for me, let them be my goals. See, and when I do that, when I do this alignment, this would probably be more of an alignment like that. When I do that, the idol of desires gets smashed because it's no longer about me. It's about him. 